Vilius Benetis will bring us even closer to cybersecurity. He told me about himself that he does not apply corporate governance language in his daily work as he's rather down-to-earth person. And that is exactly what we want to have here in our show, real people down-to-earth with their professional passion. Vilius is a director at NRD Cybersecurity in Lithuania and brings more than 20 years of relevant experience in his field. He's also serving as board member at the North European Cybersecurity Cluster called NECC lectures and is invited as speaker all over the world. Since a few years, I have the pleasure to work with him and highly appreciate his commitment and professionality. And as always, when I talk to my guests, I'm interested of what is not obvious, what is not written in his or her curriculum. I want to learn more about the human who impacts corporate integrity. Let's have a look behind the scenes of Vilio's responsibility and experience when it comes to corporate integrity with cybersecurity. I'm glad to have you here spending the next few minutes with us. Corporate integrity, fraud, non-compliance, and cybersecurity. Would you like to understand the root causes, detect threats, and take measurements to protect the most precious assets? As a leader, you need to be prepared and stay actionable in the event of an incident. Sonia Sternemann talks in her podcast, The Human Factor. Corporate integrity matters. To leaders and entrepreneurs who want to have impact, foster corporate integrity, and act as role models. As an international expert for corporate governance and integrity, entrepreneur, and independent board member, she knows the challenges. Let her inspire you. Welcome back to this new episode of the podcast, The Human Factor, Corporate Integrity Matters. You might be a board member, executive or non-executive, a business professional, a corporate integrity council or on your way there. I'm your mentor and sparring partner when it comes to corporate integrity with impact, founder of Corporate Integrity Concepts and its leadership circle, with the vision to protect and secure assets, reputation and actionability, yours and the one of your organization. Why? because corporate integrity matters to all of us. Listen to the perspective Willius brings with us today. So Willius, it's so great to have you here as our guest, especially as you know that our conversation will focus first of all on you, your organization, your experience and your team when it comes to corporate integrity in the connection with cybersecurity. And as an expert in cybersecurity for more than two decades, our listeners and myself are so curious to learn more from you and your experience. So the first one I would like to know from your side is, you are also a member of boards and acting as a director. What role does corporate integrity play in your current functions? Sonia, thank you very much uh, for inviting me here. Uh, I am a vivid listener of your podcast and uh, I, I take it as a study material and some sections I repeat for myself, which I think that I, it was not clear enough or I forgot. And I think, okay, do I understand this concept? And then I say, okay, there were such a good ideas and I need to, to repeat it. So uh, I feel as a student uh, in your classes. So uh, thank you very much for inviting me today. So regarding the integrity for me and as I'm coming from small company and my background, uh, I don't have an MBA or any other business uh, managerial role. I was from technical role. I, I grew up slowly into the management. Uh, 
So for me, uh, corporate integrity means uh, not much. However, it means a lot if I just take a word integrity. Uh, because with corporate integrity, I don't have many touch points. With, I believe because of the size of our organizations where I'm involved, driver integrity plays an important role every day for, for decisions, for international understanding and other places. Okay. So, but you know, when I listen to you right now, I think it means a lot to, to you, integrity. And the corporate, you know, I think it doesn't matter how big our corporations are. We are always a corporate as soon as we are not alone. You know, even sometimes even two people are a corporate corporation because we all have these kind of relationships. But thank you very much for sharing that with us. And I also would like to make clear, you know, corporate integrity also to our listeners right now. It's all of us. It's not just the huge ones with thousands of employees. I think we are all part of corporations and also the corporation we have, for example, together, you know, when we work together, we are already a corporation somehow. So, but thank you very much for sharing. And, you know, what kind, what you see, because you are also working as a consultant, you are leading, you are a director. So what, what do you see? What is landing on your desk when it comes to integrity? Because I think the clients, no, I just, don't think I know that the clients are calling you because of any misconduct they see. So um, I work for a cybersecurity focused company, which main objective is uh, in defense or protection area. So uh, my primary objective in my country and internationally for many countries around the world, especially in Africa and uh, Asian parts, is to build the instant response capabilities where we go along with cyber crisis management if incidents escalate. And so from a consultancy part, uh, there's a lot of thinking process, how to ensure that uh, organizations will be successfully doing what we're supposed to do and uh, playing relevant part. On the management part in, uh, in daily life, I have different moments to, to think about on, on how these integrity points uh, play through. So, uh, for example, um, we, we have offices and uh, sub-offices or sub-units in different parts of the world. And once it was uh, such glamour that uh, seems to be a local client was asking for, for the money. And uh, in our integrity points, we never pay. We can create mm -hmm. another value for the project. If we see that that's in the scope or close to the scope, then we add we can add some extra content, uh, knowledge, but never cash. So I even said to a local person that you know if if you place your own money to the client or company money, I'll fire you. It was an awkward situation because what is this? I'm threatening a person. On the other hand, why I did it uh, to provide a protection for him, saying you know customer, I, I cannot do that because. It's going to be no me anymore because of these crazy Europeans or, or whoever they come from. It, and it felt uh, this double feeling because threatening mm -hmm. colleague is nothing pleasant, nothing doesn't sound very <laughs> integrity-based, but uh, the design was in a particular way and still stays uh, in my head, uh, such uh, such story. And how did you solve it? You know, Because sometimes it's really also an understanding and cultural issue because I think that person wasn't aware that she or he did something wrong. Uh, that person did not do anything wrong. He, that person was not fired, uh, but mm -hmm. and it was uh, introduced uh, in uh, our 
integrity concept on uh, uh, code of ethics, saying exactly what we do and how we do. My challenge is that um, then going somewhere in uh, in our culture, gift giving is uh, something for relationship. You know, when you go to your friends, you always bring chocolate or something for every kid uh, whom you visit. So then we we'll go internationally as well. It's a question, you know, what is what's the concept of a gift? So I had to think through it, and uh, I settled on the concept of cultural gift. Yeah, it means that what brings something part of my culture, which is focused not on the value of it, but rather representing of something where it come from. That's a really li- uh, nice approach, and they, you know, sometimes I also do that with the Swiss Army knives. You know, the little ones we have here in Switzerland, and you know, they are not that expensive, and they are the value is four below also 30 Swiss francs, you know, depending on the size you choose. But that's something I recognize you can always bring with you. You know, nobody feels bad uh, um, by by accepting it. But if it would be above 100 Swiss francs, I would have a problem also internationally, especially internationally, you know, because they are so, they really know and uh, what they can um, accept and what not. But the ones, the smaller ones are possible. So here I can interconnect with another story of my learning experience. Uh, a few years ago, maybe four or five years, uh, I was working with a client who had uh, as well um, ongoing projects with uh, Chinese uh, telecommunication manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And uh, one day uh, I work as a consultant in the office and I hear client is a little bit confused, the client managers uh, a little bit nervously and shouting. And uh, I was asking what was happening. I said, you know, there's some festivals in in uh, China, and uh, all our staff got um, a mug, and there was uh, real money inside. I said, oh, what's that? It's the worst case of China, even though I was uh, studying for a few months in China before, in 2005, in Chihuahua University. I I got a grip of what Chinese culture, but that probably because of the time, it was different. I I didn't experience that, Mm -hmm. what what the concept of uh, red envelope which only later on in social environment, a few later, a few years after, I, uh, from a mixed family, uh, where German and Chinese lady have a few kids uh, generally living in Europe, I and was explained that red envelopes, it's a game, it's Asian cultural concept where for the kids, you put a random number of money in the envelope and they're happy and excited. And it's, it's a cultural. And uh, that would... Uh, knowing that fact about different culture that would ease the situation much more. Uh, Absolutely. But yeah. From what I experienced. And the sensitivity to the culture and uh, not rushing to the conclusions was happening, but rather seeking for understanding uh, and brings to the, for me, the you know, the principles of this integrity is that integrity means trust and uh, good faith which brings to the possibility of communicating and resolving what's happening, what's appropriate. And if you think, okay, I'm with goodwill, I'm trying to achieve something, but if any idea that maybe it's not going to be appropriate, it's rather ask, uh, knowing that there's some trust uh, and communicating it uh, in such a way. And it's it's always the intention, you know, someone has. If you receive a gift, what is the intention? So can we trust? And if we don't trust, we have to ask and listen. And I think... in certain um, moments, I really, 
miss the, the ability to um, people listening to each other because they are they are coming from different cultures. They have another concept in mind, and if you cannot talk about that, I think that's a big risk also for um, for building up a culture of integrity. So. When I listen to you right now, what is your advice for the next generation of leaders when facing such situations and building up a, a culture of um, of integrity? I'm not sure about the next generation. I think the current generation like me. <laughs> we still have to go for 30 years or more. Huh? <laughs> yes. So it's a, first of all to understanding very clearly what is no-go zone. Mm -hmm. Cash giving it no go zone and it's very clear there's no discussion also not the Lamborghini in Switzerland huh <laughs> <laughs> yes 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 so so uh, uh, the next is to understand uh, the principles of uh, in integrity and ethics principles of your mm -hmm. own organization and the personal integrity principles and, and uh, see if there's any mismatch if there's some mismatch then interpretation should be clearly understood and then uh, put on the table. And then knowing that um, uh, what mechanisms will protect you in case you fail. For example, what we have when I joined um, uh, the, the team uh, we're working now in 2009, uh, I remember that all the customer gifts were supposed to be given to HR. Yep. You, know, mm -hmm. you receive something then in order not to have uh, this thinking, what should I do? do? Do I bring it home? Do I do... What do okay if it's edible, so probably you, you eat alone or with somebody, your colleagues. But if there's something else, then the best way is to, to give. Uh, and uh, even now, I'm using this uh, technique when I see that okay, there's something company could benefit. It's even my family maybe benefit, but I, I, I think first about the company and then uh, give it to either talking to colleague and say, maybe you need a bag, maybe mm -hmm. you need a, because I brought one from the conference, which was given there. To me, and then, then thinking through uh, what is the balance, what is correct balance. But it, it goes quite individual. So these principles and the, the international principles and the regulations. And another principle is uh, coming from um, religious uh, places, saying that uh, God is ever everything, seeing God. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if my behavior would uh, bring me later on, uh, put my eyes down. And couldn't stand there because of guilt or because of saying, okay, yeah, it's it's not good what I did. Mm -hmm. So then not to behave like this. Uh, because uh, maybe even though it's not public, but uh, if it's not appropriate, not do it. And I learned this, uh, especially and observed in Denmark in 2003. At that time, digital cameras uh, start to appear. And yep. I, I remember uh, in, when I started studying there in 2001, uh, I heard, and I started working on the side uh, as a student, I heard about these crazy Christmas parties that uh, husbands or, or wives don't want to let uh, husbands to their company Christmas parties. And I felt through, I, while living in Denmark, I, I felt how society changed because of this exposure that somebody brings uh, pictures from, uh, digital pictures, and then uh, it has some issues, uh, integrity issues. And then it successfully changed. And uh, when I left Denmark in 2006, I never heard about uh, any companies being uh, having such kind of trouble. Yeah, and I think it also helps for transparency reasons, you know. 
Yes, yes. Absolutely. So thank you very much. And um, what I would like to focus on right now is one of your core topics. You know, I also listen and read what you are publishing. And I know that you do quite a lot also lectures um, in the environment of cybersecurity resilience. You know, I think there's hardly any workshop um, not covering the topic resilience. But when it comes to cybersecurity, I would like to learn a little bit more how you see that and what is your framework and concept for cybersecurity resilience. So every time I listen to your podcast, there's a cybersecurity in, in the statement. Yes. And, uh, and then through the episodes of, uh, about cybersecurity, I understood that uh, for you, cybersecurity starts naturally somewhere where fraud and uh, cybercrime is involved. So usually, uh, methodologically, it's uh, cybercrime, which is different from cybersecurity. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Currently, there are two, uh, four dimensions of uh, cyber something in the area. It's uh, cybersecurity, cybercrime, cyber defense, which becomes cyber operations against ransomware, uh, like as it used to be military operations against Somali pirates, patrolling boats. Uh, so similar things happening now with cyber defense. And finally, cyber diplomacy, which is on the national levels, how to agree on what we do, maybe for corporations as well, it's it's relevant, especially big uh, corporates. So my work mostly is uh, in cybersecurity, and uh, there, uh, cyber resilience is this cyber problems not to affect your objectives, your business, and that comes from stands on two legs. Uh, one leg is uh, um, not to have incidents, cybersecurity incidents, because if you don't get sick, then you're kind of okay. Right? It doesn't mean what is your immune system or how you handle your sickness, but if you don't get sick, if there's no incidents, you're good. So you are resilient. And uh, another leg is uh, if I'm getting sick, if I, I got some illness, a virus or a bacteria, what I'm going to do? Do I notice it? How fast I notice it? And do I understand and manage what I'm going to do about it? What is interesting about this picture but number one, leg number one, uh, about uh, reducing the number of incidents, it mostly relies on IT discipline, information technology. It's about IT hygiene and uh, your digital systems to be built resilient, which is not cybersecurity specialist topic at all. It's about constructing, designing your systems to be resilient or in overall for the higher level, it's a business continuity would work very well. It's also somehow the housekeeping you have to do, isn't it? When you talk yes. about hygiene, it's really the housekeeping everybody should do. And um, what do you see when you're out there at your clients? Do they really do that? Because what I think is this is the most important part. And if they don't do that, all others, you know, all the other things, all the other vulnerabilities we have significantly increase. I think there's no magic in components comparing to the families or bigger families. So we can look at uh, bigger family and see which parts are in order. And can we even divide the responsibilities? You know, who takes care of the kitchen and how often it's supposed to be clean? And, but it's uh, as well about the maturity and understanding why we do it, how mm -hmm. we want to live, and what our costs associated. You know, if I take a thing and uh, I'm expected to put it back, or I just make a, a tea and leave it there and maybe document later, you know, in the real life. If I and leave all change. the doors open, huh? Of course, or, or always. Or lights <laughs> open or 
or other things. So it's mm-hmm. and the same. I that's why it's IT hygiene that it's uh, not only for the security purpose, but as well for cost, performance, quality, all combined in the same way. And cybersecurity expertise is required mostly as doctors' expertise uh, for prophylactics. We don't ask surgeons uh, to to assist us. We ask, uh, we, we hope for the clinics uh, specialists to work when incidents happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, we need to prepare for the access uh, to these doctors. So either have insurance, which covers us the best specialists, either have a, a contract saying that uh, somebody, or maybe there's a clinic specialist who monitor our regular health and, and then work on it. So, so it's about how, when do we detect uh, cavities in our teeth? You know, when we feel the pain or we do regular checks. And how? What do you see out in the market when you look at your clients? Where do they um, like to spend more money? Before, for the hygiene, or afterwards? You know, the willingness to invest. I think uh, everything starts from the business idea of how I was taught what is business. Business is to taking a risk and converting it into profit. We just choose which risk to take, and this is the essence of a business. And then we have a Lithuanian uh, proverb saying, if you don't risk, you don't drink champagne. That means uh, if you invest in security in such a way that there's no profit, there's not going to be no champagne to drink. So then the question, under which conditions we should invest in uh, handling that risk, and it what I answer then in that case, and people thinking about, uh, okay, so what's this point of risk and champagne? And I say, maybe there's going to be nobody to drink the champagne. You know, if you don't handle properly uh, the risks and you think that you chose the risk and you work for it, uh, but it suddenly goes from different angle and then it kills your business completely. And uh, so cybersecurity protection uh, from the business sense, uh, the most important thing is that the boards and the top management may properly qualify and quantify the cybersecurity risk. And then everything will work. Absolutely. But I see, you know... (laughs) Sorry, no, go on. Sorry, it's your... (laughs) I just want to see what's the difference, uh, why in other areas it's easier and in cybersecurity is a little bit different. Uh, I see two reasons. One is, Cybersecurity is not visible with the eyes. If we would see how bad some things happen, we will not go in cyberspace because there's always some bad things that happen. And people can hardly believe how bad it could turn out. Yes. Uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, all around are a lot of microbes, and I'm not afraid to touch a table, to touch, uh, and these microbes will not kill me. Uh, what's the difference? The difference is resilience. So, do we quantify what is the how do we know? But if we know that every day there are different microbes and some of them flying from Mars and we have no clue how they're going to... And then we have most often, because cybersecurity as a word is human-created threat actors. There's no uh, laws of physics which attack us on cybersecurity. It's always human. So we know that there's some bad people uh, targeting us because of uh, your well-described uh, fraud triangle that uh, there's a motive to get cheaper money and remotely with less risk and then justifying that cybercrime is not really, I didn't damage anyone. Thank you very much. 
Thank you very much, because it all goes back to the human factor, isn't it? It's all about us, and there are no bad computers or algorithm or whatever, you know. And, you know, what I see, it's most often um, the topic cyber resilience or cybersecurity or cybercrime, it, it's, it's all put back to the IT department, which is not correct at all, in my opinion. I Yesterday, uh, I was uh, being filmed on uh, for, uh, for accountants. To explain, and uh, I was uh, putting the, the picture in the room. I say, imagine that you come to your workplace and there's open electrical wires, and uh, and you're told, you know, don't touch here, don't touch there, but you still have to do the work. And uh, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, what's going to hit us today. So please don't click on something because if you see something nice wrapped package, don't don't even touch. But you are responsible to ensure that all packages uh, should be looked at, and you say, "Yeah, and other instructions." I say, "Go and work here." It all comes to the safety, safe environment. So, if I am a HR person or accountant, my objective is to process invoices and ensure that particular process. So, am I supposed to work and be okay when the attacks are happening constantly? That's a happening because it's about as well our mental health, what is expectation from our environment. And it's so far only physical environments are regulated for the safety reasons. I would expect that in two, three, four years, there's going to be additional compliance requirements that normal humans should be protected also protected huh? yeah. uh, from at attacks. Because if we're thinking about accountant again. If there's a physical space where a robber comes in and with a gun asks for money, the instructions are to give all the money and uh, be alive. In digital world, because there's no threat to the human body, but I'm going to die because there's a gun, etc. Then if money is stolen because the business email compromise or attacks, suddenly accountant is the guilty person, but threat model is very similar. So Absolutely, yeah. And I also like the picture, you know, that's also what we, what we say, you know, in our environment, we have to protect, we have to protect our most precious assets. And also in a digital environment, you know, it's not all, not only the physical one, but also the digital one, because everything is changing and the attacks are more dangerous right now when it comes to, um, to, uh, to the cyberspace than it ever was before. And there's a particular reason why we're in such a bad situation. One of the reasons is that we, on the premise of digitalization, it's going to be good for us, faster, easier, etc. We take just a technology, a piece of technology which is offered, but those who manufacture technology, they, they are not interested in our business continuity processes. If a technology will fail or somebody will break it or somebody will steal it, the objective is to give that technology go to the next client. So then those who are thinking about, I'm going to get the technology, accounting software and now digital invoices, et cetera, no paper anymore, then whose objective in the ecosystem to think, okay, we need to, what about our business resilience, business continuity? I think it also depends how people are measured, you know, what is the goals? What are the goals? What are the responsibilities? And we also have to think about that framework, you know, who is going to be responsible for what? And also these ports are going to be included and need to be included. And at the end, it's also how to protect our assets and everybody who has responsible, responsibility of what kind of um, 
environment they are in. Yes, and my objective in the world, what I'm focusing on, I believe that that's, that's my contribution with my team is in different parts of the world, in different countries, help establish systems as a national incident response teams or sectorial incident mm-hmm. response teams in energy and financial sector, whose objective is not to resolve every incident, but rather focus on ecosystem building uh, that in that country there should be knowledge how to handle there should be practices there should be ideas discussions in order to build that resilience in the country through different mechanisms i like your approach of resilience you know because at the end it's it's all about resilience you know also when you have any fraud case or any incidents no matter wherever it comes from you have to make sure that the organization is resilient First of all, what I say, it's resistance, you know, to be resistant against it. And if it happens, you have to be resilient, you know. The sooner you are back in the business, the better, because otherwise it costs you a lot of money. Yes, well, now coming back to your question, um, the truth is, if you look uh, out there through a window and observe how organizations behave, so organizations behave, either we need to comply to something or... Uh, we don't want to repeat what just happened again. That's why we're going to invest. And that's natural. So many banks invest in cybersecurity just because they had some issues. And what I see currently, every week there are some ransomware cases here in, in my country as mm-hmm. well, and business email compromise. A lot of uh, things are not reported at all. But what, what I'm happily observing, but in some cases, when ransomware hit only a small part of the business, it shakes the business to think, okay, so great that it was not uh, customer data, so great that it didn't touch on that or that. Let's do something about it. So it's, for me, it re- reminds me effect of vaccine for our bodies. You know, like, and you know, and they, if they learn from that lesson, it's great. Some of them don't learn, also not after several attacks, but others really learn and install all the necessary processes to, uh, to protect. Yes. And that's a, it's, that's a path. We cannot just jump into there. Uh, we need to, to work. And I think we also have to educate people on that, you know, because it's somehow new. I know for us, it's already many years ago when it started, but it's, it's a learning process also for the organization and the teams. And I think we are much better than we, we were, I think, 18 or 24 months ago. Also, the crisis helped. So here, it's very clear that unless uh board uh, members know the questions to ask it will not work because from bottom up it's an extra cost extra other things so somebody has to ask uh, cio or mm-hmm. cto or head of it how we're doing it in case it happens uh, how we're gonna survive it yep absolutely and that's where discussion starts and it's important again that there's integrity in organization where such discussions can be because there's no answer at that moment mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. nobody would feel defensive. Oh, yes, we will handle it. I don't know how. So we'd say, okay, actually, we didn't invest in that. Let's discuss, let's see, let's investigate, let's put resources and uh, work forward. So at least in my management for, for organization I work, I try to ensure that there's always space for the sincere conversation on whatever topic, because otherwise we'll sail to some strange place. 
Uh, Absolutely. And we have to ask these kind of questions, you know, and we also have to ask again and again, and we have to take the team with us, also on board level, you know, to make it a strategic pillar and not just a governance issue or a compliance issue, because it isn't. It's really how we can protect our business, make sure that we're also alive and successfully alive over the next, um, next decades as an organization. So, Vilius, thank you very much for your contribution. It was a pleasure and I, I promise I'm going to invite you again for our special editions also what we have in our leadership circle because I think you should give our other board members now also some kind of workshop in asking the, the right questions. So, if you are willing, the invitation will come over soon. And is there anything else you would like to add here? Uh, I would like to, to wish all the listeners to to take uh, many many things um, from your podcast and uh, rethink how it integrates as well think through and uh, i hope that uh, one day there's going to be listeners forum somewhere where i say okay but how how i was felt about this part because it it affected me in such way mm -hmm. so that's my uh, wish for 2022 or 2023 or 2024 uh, for your podcast so thank you very much. And thank you. I wish you all the best for the future. Also, when it comes to corporate integrity, because also your firm is a corporate, you know, and also your team are corporates. And um, I'm looking forward to staying in contact and see what also you publish to our wider world following our global goal. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sonia. This was the episode 47 of the Human Factor Corporate Integrity Matters. Following the motto, Corporate Integrity Secures and Empowers Individuals and Organizations. Thank you for listening. My name is Sonja Stirnimann and I'm your host. Stay curious, actionable and a role model. Take care and goodbye. Would you like to learn more, meet peers and getting qualified? So visit the website Corporate Integrity Concepts or Corporate Integrity Academy. Or do you think this podcast could be interesting for someone you know? Sharing is caring and we are always happy to welcome your peers to our community. And if you like this episode, subscribe and don't miss any of the future ones. The show notes are, of course, enriched with relevant information and your connection via any of the social media channels is highly appreciated and will be answered. Promised. And please do not forget topics of your interest or interview partners are highly welcome. Just send me a note on any of the channels you know.